Welcome back to Your Story, the only podcast where our guests will tell theirs with the help of 12 questions in ideally under 30 minutes. This week, we are joined by Nicole Porter. Nicole is a chocolatier turned digital marketer who now runs Monomoy Social Media, where she navigates the large and overwhelming world of social media by focusing on what is really important. Nicole, welcome. We are thrilled to have you. Thanks so much, Mike. I'm so excited to be here. Excellent. Glad to hear. And I want to start there. Why is social media so large and overwhelming? Why do most people find it overwhelming when they try to navigate it themselves? I think there's so many nuances and it's constantly changing. It's an ever moving environment. And I think that those two things together make it very overwhelming. They don't know what the latest tips and tricks are. Uh, they don't always know what platforms to focus on. Um, and I find that they feel that they just have to be everywhere. And then they end up being nowhere because they just, they get overwhelmed by it. Okay. That's a good answer. And kind of building off that being everywhere versus focusing on a platform when you start working with your clients so when someone comes to you saying help I don't know what I'm doing do you often find that it's focusing on one or two platforms is the answer it's then or trying to be everywhere at once or how do you how do you make that decision with them well, it really depends on the place they are in their business. Um, we take everything on a case-by-case -case basis, and strategy is the very first place that we start. Um, so we really sit down and have a conversation with them and figure out what their goals are and what they really want to be accomplishing on social media. And if I find them saying something like, you know, I don't know what to post or, you know, I, I it always falls to the back burner, then I really know we need to pare it down and focus on just a few platforms where they're going to get the most results. And that tends to fix the problem. So that's a really excellent point that it's tailored to not only your type of business, the type of content, but where you are in your business life cycle. Do you work with them on all of those things or how do you, how do you help them kind of flesh, flesh that stuff out? Um, you know, again, it's it's kind of a conversation, right? So we the very first thing we do with any of our clients is we just sit down and have a conversation. So we find out where they are, what they've been doing, what type of results they've been seeing. Um, and it's, it's just a big question and answer session. Um, we go through a whole questionnaire and just really figure out and hone in on those pain points that they're experiencing. And then we figure out, okay, well, you know, who are the people we're trying to reach? What do you want them to know about your business? How can you help them? How can you connect with them? Um, and then we craft their strategy from all of that. So that tends to be the, that's the very first thing we do. That, and that's how we, you know, really fix those problems for them. Okay. And I want to get back to all that, but I feel like I've already buried the lead here. How does one become a chocolatier? Uh, oh. <laughs> I was, um, I, I worked in that business and I just, I really loved it. And so I decided to open my own shop. Um, when my oldest son was about two years old, I opened a, a little brick and mortar shop and um, just, it was just a fun business to be in for a long time. Um, but it was very labor intensive. Uh, you know, making chocolate is a lot of work, a lot more work than you think. You have to make sure it's the right temperature. You have to let it set. You have to let it dry. You have to clean it up. <laughs> Chocolate's messy. So 
eventually okay. I left that. Well, and that makes sense, but I have probably a hundred follow-up questions. So is there a certification? <laughs> Does one, how, how do you, how do you start? What, what was it? What was the first thing you did that put you on that path? Oh my gosh. You know, when I started, I had, so I had the brick and mortar location and, um, I was selling ice cream and chocolate and, um, I was reselling and I thought, you know, I can, I can make more money. I can do fun stuff if I make this myself. So the very first thing I ever made was uh, bacon truffles and, um, they became a number one seller of mine. Um, and after I actually ended up closing the brick and mortar shop and I ended up making chocolate in my home kitchen when my youngest son, uh, was born and I, um, I would do all kinds of fun stuff because it was stuff people couldn't find everywhere. So that's really the, you know, how can you uh, stand out and how can you have some fun with it? Um, and so the very, yeah, that was the very first thing I ever did was bake, bacon flavored and it took off. And so we did, you know, chocolate covered bacon, chocolate and caramel covered bacon, chocolate, sea salt covered <laughs> bacon. I mean, any variation you can think of chocolate and bacon was uh, on my list. Yeah, chocolate and bacon seem to be a recipe for success. What was the strangest combination that the, you uh, experimented with or you found that people actually would consider buying slash eating? Um, I think I made this bacon caramel chocolate covered strip and then I would sprinkle it with a habanero infused sea salt. Um, and that actually ended up being really popular because it had so many different flavors. You have the, the spicy and the salty and the creamy and the smoky and it was, you know, chewy and, um, it was just all those different things happening and people really liked it. And it was, um, pretty off the wall though. I think I, I would like that myself. So I'm not all that <laughs> surprised or I'm just very worried that I'm a weirdo now in, in what I would eat at a, at a chocolate shop. But Absolutely I'm, go not. I'm going to make quite a jump here, and we'll, we'll come back to the chocolate stuff, I promise. Okay. But as you said, um, this was something that you tried, was perhaps not expecting to have quite the response on. I'm sure that happens a lot in content production in social media, that sometimes the uh, stuff that you put a lot of time into does not get the eyeballs they were hoping for, and maybe something else that you didn't have high hopes for it hits. What's the... Mm art science behind all of that and how do you kind of navigate that or how do you help your clients uh, kind of understand those those uh, those topics so I think in general social media is always just a game of waiting and watching and tweaking um, right so you really have to pay attention to what is doing well over time and if you start to see patterns you pay attention to those and you can't expect yourself to know everything right off the bat you can't expect to just have a post go viral the first time you post something. And I think that's something people don't always understand is you're not going to put a week of worth of content out and everybody's going to flock to you, right? It takes consistent effort over time and you have to watch those patterns and you start to see, okay, my clients really like it when I do this. They really engage with this. This really reaches a lot more people. I mean, you can kind of start to think, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do a lot more of that, that type of stuff. Um, but I will say it does tend up to be the behind the scenes, the more real, the more authentic. Um, and so it can be getting clients to kind of build on that 
So, you know, you get them to post maybe um, a professional photo and then the next week you can kind of push them into maybe posting a selfie. And then once they get a little more comfortable with that, you can talk them into, okay, maybe let's do a little uh, office tour or, you know, just a short clip video. And you just kind of ease them into it. So when you start to see the patterns, you identify them and then, you know, you help them kind of ease into it because usually it is that type of real authentic content that does really well. And that makes sense. But I'm sure you get a lot of objections and pushback from my business is not that exciting. I'm boring. Who would want to look at this or I don't want to do this. What do you hear most <laughs> often and how do you walk them through it? It's probably that imposter syndrome of, you know, I'm boring, nobody wants to see it, um, that type of stuff. And, you know, I kind of talk them through my own experiences and experiences of my clients. Um, and then if that doesn't work, I can actually show them data and say, look, data shows, you know, half the amount of people see it when you don't post photos of yourself, of the people working in your business. Like, I don't care if you post a picture of your mailman, bring some life to your business. You know, this guy is great in my business. He helps me all the time. That type of stuff can really personalize a brand. And so, you know, I, we show them data, we ease them into it. We tell them those stories of, you know, this stuff really works. You know, we have the experience and, and then we, we go from there. Okay. I like the personaliz personalization piece and putting kind of faces to the business or this is what it looks like because uh, giving your clients or potential clients a, a glimpse into what working with, with you might be like. Uh, is there a platform that you prefer that you often start with or one that you cannot stand? <laughs> I um, It really depends on the business. I will say most people use Facebook because it's the biggest um, and where we live on Cape Cod, it is what most people use in this geographic area. And about half of my clients are probably in this area. Um, but I, you know, that being said, I have a client in Florida who uses Twitter and LinkedIn only. Um, so it, it's really dependent on the business as to where you show up. Um, but Facebook being the biggest tends to be at least on, you know, 95% of people's lists. Okay. Now, you mentioned working with clients outside of your geography. How how does that differ from somebody that you can meet with face-to-face, -face, that you might be able to assist in the uh, video, the, the photo piece? How does that kind of engagement differ? And which do you prefer? And what have you had uh, most success with? You know, it, it doesn't differ a lot for me. Um, so my very first client ever uh, actually met in a Facebook group, and she's in Canada. Um, and we've never met face to face. She's been a client for five years. Um, and I have kind of followed that process with everybody. Um, you know, maybe I'll go down to the restaurant down the street and we'll take a few pictures, but 90% of the time they're able to send me photos. We don't, it's not necessary in this day and age to meet face to face anymore. Um, and they often will have, you know, those candid photos or user-generated photos that are um, more authentic. So, you know, somebody sits down and has dinner and they take a photo, they post it on Google reviews. We can use that um, as opposed to me going down there and taking a photo myself. So it saves a lot of time. Um, so they don't actually differ very much this day and age because especially after the pandemic, everybody just got so used to working remotely that it became very easy to do that. 
Okay, and that, that, that that's a good answer because I, I think that that might be some besides the hey why can't I do some of this myself it's like well then I need somebody that's got to hold my hand or somebody I've got to to be in the same room with for this to work um, but for someone who is adamant about uh, trying their hand at social media or at least starting somewhere what what's good advice for either a smaller or newer or business who's not ready to engage in um, you know your services or uh, kind of do something on their own what's where is a good place to start and again, I know it's business dependent. Yeah, I would, you know, I think the two biggest things are you need to be consistent, right? So I always recommend that people put it in their calendar and make a time each week to schedule up their social media, because if you don't, it probably won't happen. And I even had to do that for myself. You know, I was the cobbler without any shoes because I was working on everybody else's content and I wouldn't do my own. And so I said, you know what? Saturdays are my day to do my content. I put it in my project manager and every Saturday I schedule my content. And, and so I would make sure that people do that. They put it in their schedule, schedule out your content. So you're not posting on the fly. You're not waking up Wednesday morning saying, what am I going to post today? I don't know what to do. You know, if you have that bit of inspiration that, okay, yeah, I want to post, you can, but at least you have that consistent content going out because chances are you're not going to have that hit of inspiration because you're going to be busy working on your business. Um, and the second piece is make sure you're being social on these platforms. Don't just put out your content and expect people to come to you. It's called social media. People are there to interact. So that's another thing I tell people to put into their calendars. You know, Monday, I'm going to post. Friday, I'm going to interact. And put that in. Block your time like you would for a meeting. If you really want to see the results from social media, you need to put in the effort. So block it in like you're actually going to do it. And then hopefully you will. I love that you take the approach that it's like any other deliverable or anything you hope to get done on your calendar, that it needs a, a hard block of time that you're going to dedicate to it and make sure that you stay consistent. Because I, I, I believe 100%, as you say, that if it's not scheduled, it probably won't get done. How do you, um, what are your thoughts on automation tools or things that uh, will either schedule and post for you or even more devious, we'll call it, where they will interact on your behalf, commenting, messaging, things like that. Do you use them? Do you have thoughts on them? Ah, uh, yes, I have very strong feelings about these things. Please um, And they're two different, two different feelings. Um, the automation tools that uh, post for you, I am a big fan of because, like I said, I don't think you're going to have a hit of inspiration and remember to post every day of the week. And it's another one of those things where I feel like if you don't use them, you know, this is probably not going to get done. Yes, you can put in your schedule, okay, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm going to post something on social media. But oftentimes, you know, we as business owners, we end up putting out fires and answering emails and having meetings and that ends up falling to the wayside. So using a scheduler can really, really help and make sure that you're consistent. Um, you know, I love using Business Suite on Facebook and Instagram, that is free and makes it so easy. And it's an algorithm boost because you're using their system. You know, Twitter has their own in-house scheduler. Um, I like using Buffer for LinkedIn. And these are all free tools. You don't have to pay any extra to have a consistent presence on social media. 
The second part of that question is the autoresponders. Um, and I'm not talking about an autoresponder that responds to somebody's message that they send you. I'm talking about somebody that does like a bot that does outreach for you. And I am very firmly against those as are most of the platforms. Um, there's a few reasons against it. Uh, number one, people can always tell that you're not being authentic, right? Like if, and we've all seen a bot respond to our content and you know, it's a bot, you know, it's not a real person. Um, so I'm not a, a fan of those at all. Also, they're mostly not uh, sanctioned or what, whatever the word you want to say is for, or approved by these platforms. So if they catch you using something like that, they can disable your uh, account. And that is not something that uh, you want to happen when you've spent a lot of time putting up content, building up a following. You don't want to break the rules and then get kicked off. Um, so I'm a big fan of following the rules as much as possible on these platforms for those for that reason. And that makes sense. And I think that's the right approach on both of those, that the automation really can help in your consistency and making sure it happens. But we've all got those messages with uh, first name in bracket uh, and then uh, something that's not clear, clearly not written by a human or at least targeting to just myself or to the attendant recipient. But you also mentioned there um, working with the algorithm, which we know that each one of these platforms has its own algorithm, which always seems to be changing and uh, favoring different things at different times. Mm -hmm. how, do you, how do you stay on top of all of all of that, you know, besides, um, you know, running your business, knowing what what algorithm is looking for what on which platform. So it's kind of a two part approach. Um, one is that always paying attention, seeing what works, what doesn't work, looking at the metrics and tweaking. Um, the other part of it is staying on top of industry news, right? So making sure that I'm following influencers in the industry, making sure that I'm following the platforms themselves, you know, making sure that um, I'm up to date with whatever Facebook is putting out, whatever Twitter is putting out, um, being on their newsletters, following them, following them on their platforms, um, and just staying up to date in that way. Um, staying up to date with other people in the industry so you know if they're seeing a trend, you can start to pay attention to see if you're seeing the same trends on your social platforms and your client's social platforms. So, um, you know, some things are tried and true and, and they're going to work on any platform um, and over time. And some things, you know, they're going to continually change and um, always need tweaking. So um, kind of take a, a two pronged approach with that. Just as you describe that, I, it, I don't want to say it scares me, but it makes it sound like it's almost impossible for any smaller business to not only run their business, run it well, but to also keep on top of that stuff. So uh, it seems like having a social media advocate, a social media um, consultant would be essential. And as I stumble through that sentence, what do you, what do you refer to yourself as? Are you a coach or how do you, what, what, a social media guru? What, what is the proper term? Huh. I'm, not, I'm not a huge fan of the word guru. Um, you know, so I, I refer to just the company in general as a social media agency. Um, and then I would just say that I am a social media consultant. Um, you know, we, we help people, we, we do things for them. We have a membership program where we help people do things. So, you know, it's not all one thing. Um, it's, you know, helping people where they're at. Uh, and that's really what we try to do. So 
I would say we're an overarching agency that helps people with a lot of different aspects of their social media. Agency is a good answer. Thank you for that. Um, but Nicole, I hire somebody to do my website. I've got a VA. Can't they do my social media for me? I don't know. Are they on top of the trends? <laughs> Probably not. But... <laughs> Probably not. No, you know, it. again, and I know I've said this 12 times already, it does depend on where you are in your business, right? If you're just starting out, maybe having your virtual assistant really you know, get some help like from a membership like mine, right? Maybe they get a little bit of help and then they can post and they can do it for you. But there comes a time when, you know, we're trying to grow our businesses and you really need the help if you want to get your presence out there and you really want to get results from that. Um, then at that point, you probably want to have somebody who knows what they're doing and really specializes in that. Um, you know, I said, on my, uh, I made a video, I did a live video a couple of weeks ago and I was talking about my membership program and I said, um, I was launching, I was giving a 33% discount and uh, did my live, a couple of people messaged me right after, hey, your discount's actually 40%. And um, so we all have our specialties and accounting is not my specialty. And you would not wanna <laughs> hire me to do your accounting, but social media is my specialty. so. You know, when you're ready, that's really what you want to do. You want to hire your bookkeeper who focuses on bookkeeping. You want to hire your VA who focuses on that type of stuff, on the assistance, answering your emails, customer service, whatever they focus on. And your social media person focuses on social media, not accounting. I mean, 33 to 40, not that far apart. So that's not the worst mistake you can make. <laughs> that's, that's okay. <laughs> especially especially you're, you're providing more of a discount. So that's could be Yeah, worse. at least I didn't, didn't do it the other way. Okay. Uh, so there are, I would think, a lot of, I'm going to steal your term, agencies in the social mm -hmm. media space. Do you have instances where you collaborate with other, um, other agencies, other professionals? Do you often compete? Do you find yourself kind of having to differentiate what each services you provide? Or what does that look like currently in the landscape? So, yeah, there's a lot of people out there that do digital marketing. Um, I tend to collaborate pretty often actually. Um, I tend to collaborate with people that do you know, SEO, like Google ads, those type of things, because I don't do those. Um, and they often don't do social media. So we work really well together. Um, I often collaborate with people that do strategy, you know, and they are kind of that stepping stone to my full service um, offering. So I, I collaborate with people like that often. Um, and a lot of people are really niche specific, um, you know, so they might work with holistic businesses or, you know, dentists or doctors. There are some people that work just in those um, areas. And so we'll often find ourselves referring out to each other for those type of things. Um, but I, I tend to have the view of uh, there's enough for everybody and I want everybody to succeed. Um, so I think that collaboration over competition tends to work better for me and my personality in my industry. I agree with you on that. And one strange thing that I've seen, and I've, I've heard others, and sometimes not the case, but I was wondering if you have, and if you have helped your clients through this, is that when you take that collaborative approach and kind of using the mailman example from your content delivery, 
uh, other businesses, other professionals might be wary of why are you trying to help me or why, you know, what's going on? What's what's the when is the other shoe going to drop? Have you seen that or do you do you help your clients when, it's, you know, they might be highlighting another local business of, of theirs to try to kind of boost them up together that do you see that? Uh, I'm not sure about this or do you find that uh, collaboration is something that's common with a lot of your clients? I, I found that collaboration is um, much more common than people worrying about, you know, stepping on each other's toes and that type of stuff. They tend to want to support each other, um, especially in the Cape Cod environment where people are, um, there's a lot of small businesses down here and people are very supportive and they tend to lift each other up. Um, you know, that being said, I'm pretty careful about not um, encroaching on somebody else's space. So, you know, say I'm helping a financial advisor, I'm not going to go and, you know, poach from that <laughs> financial advisor. I'm not going to go comment on that other financial advisor, right? But I would go and interact and highlight maybe a bookkeeper or a CPA or somebody that has a complementary business. So a lot of collaboration can happen that way where you're working on um, complementary businesses and not competitors or you know competing businesses um and i think that works really well um both online and offline it doesn't you know have to be one or the other no, that's a good way to put it thank you for kind of spelling it out i think that helps and you've mentioned a couple times a, a membership program that you've got available what does that look like and how do you how do your clients work with you either with the membership or in general what what options are available so um, we do full service and take their social media over for them so they don't have to worry about it. Um, and then we also have the membership program. Um, the membership program is a newer program. I'm really excited about it, actually. We just launched it in January. Um, and what you get with that is you get uh, all your graphics and your captions done for you every month. Um, and you get an hour and a half of group coaching and a free Facebook group. Um, and there's a little bit of training on the back end. Uh, it's not a full-blown course, but there is some, you know, this is how you use the templates. This is how you use Canva. These are some best practices on social media. Um, and so you get a lot of, you know, this is, post this post, uh, this graphic with this caption on April 1st. And you post this caption with this graphic on April 2nd. Um, and I would say it's about 50-50. You can just use the post as is. And then we also prompt you to make make the post your own. Um, so there are probably about 15 posts where it says, it's St. Patrick's Day, are you drinking green beer today? Um, and then there's some other ones that will say, you know, put a short cell phone video, take a picture of somebody on your team and say this. And, you know, we love this person because, and it really leads you through exactly what to say. Because not only do people not know what to say, they tend to overthink it and they, uh, they need help with that area. So it saves them a lot of time and it saves a lot of brain power from them having to come up with everything on their own and it leads them through it. So I say it's the next best thing to done for you social media. We're not doing it for you, but we're taking you along. It's pretty close and it's it's good yeah. to have have those multiple options because as we've discussed that where where your business is or where you're prepared to bring in help, it, it differs. So having those options I, I would think is very uh it's very advantageous to many different businesses. Um, we are we are nearing time, so I, I won't, don't have too many more questions, but I have a few I need to ask. Um, we've okay. talked about dentists, doctors, financial advisors. Do you have clients that uh, you most often work with, that you like to work with, or that you target? 
Um, so I often work with um, nonprofits. I really like working with nonprofits. That's become a, become a great niche for me. Um, I work with a lot of realtors. And I also work with a lot of personal brands as well. So those tend to be the three big ones that I work with most often. Okay. And where can either anybody in those fields or in uh, complementary fields find you if they would like to learn more, if they would like to work with you, or if they would just like to have a conversation? Uh, they can go to monomoysocialmedia.com. Okay. Excellent. Spelled and... phonetically. Monomoy. I'll make sure to post that <laughs> and I'll spell it correctly. Thank um, you. I didn't ask up front. Now I've been thinking about it. What was the name of your chocolate shop? Uh, it was called Beachway Sweet Shop. Um, and my dad actually came up with the name um, and he helped me build it. And not from scratch, but he did a lot of the work inside, built the cabinets and the flooring and wow. all that. And um so now that you're not in the chocolate shop anymore, do you bake? Do you have anything that you do in place of the of, of the sweets that you used to uh, create? Or is that just a, a past chapter in your life? Um, I do bake occasionally, but not professionally. I do have quite the sweet tooth still to this day. So every once in a while, my kids will get me to uh, open the oven and put something in there but uh not definitely not as frequently as it used to be well that's what kids are good at uh, for sure l last question for me maybe second to last what is with the sweet tooth what is your favorite uh dessert or uh, sweet <sighs> snack man i have to pick just one that's just one. that's probably the most the hardest question i think anybody's ever asked me um you know what? I, I really like lemon flavored things and almond flavored things. Um, even though I was a chocolatier, I guess those are my like true Italian roots are showing. Um, and so I would probably say, um, you know, like lemon or almond cookies would be like the number one thing I could get. <laughs> That's uh, that is unexpected. And as a fellow right? Italian, I, I, <laughs> I go the chocolate way, so you both make me feel bad for not uh, hugging my Italian roots and going with the lemon and almond. And also, I mean, come on, chocolate's better than those things, but we don't need to get into that here. Uh, my last question, I promise, what didn't I ask you today that I probably should have? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know what you should have asked me. Um, I honestly can't think of anything. You did a wonderful job. So I really appreciate being on this and I, I can't, I really can't think of anything that, um, that you didn't ask me. Well, you have me at wonderful job. So we're, we're good there then. Uh, everyone find Nicole at monomoysocialmedia.com. We'll post all the information uh, in the show notes. Nicole, thank you for joining us. This was a blast. Yes, it was. Thanks so much, Mike. I really appreciate it. You got it. Talk soon.